Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. Sure good to see you again today talking about Matthew chapter 8. I mean, it's always good to see you talking about the Bible. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you look so well while you do it. <laughs> Must be those new headphones. I, it is. I, we've, I've already gone through a set of headphones on here. Just, we are wearing out the headphones doing this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So today we're in Matthew 8 again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about a storm. Well, okay. You know what? I'm reading about one right here in Matthew 8, uh, verse 23 through 25. Nope. 27. 27 in the New King James. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I always struggle with Matthew's telling of this just a little bit, because as the story is told, the disciples come to Jesus asking for salvation. When he provides the salvation, they're shocked that he was able to do it. I guess that's right. They are asking for it. Save us, they say. Yeah. We are perishing. So it makes me wonder... What, Sometimes maybe ahead. we don't even always realize what we're asking for, though, or or what it would look like if God actually did it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me wonder. I wonder if their real request is, hey, you you need to be involved in this. You need to be bailing some water. You need to get involved in the saving process the saving. here. Yeah. Yeah. And that may very well be. I, I find it, of course, I've not been on boats that often, but the idea that uh, a storm could be so bad that water's breaking over the sides and and you could sleep through that. Yeah. You know, that's an amazing thing well, there, to me. There must have been some kind of hold in this yeah. boat, I would think. Yeah. I, so I, Some I don't, smaller area. Well, yeah, some area that's covered up rather than, you know, thinking of just like a, a fishing boat that we might think of. There, there must have been more to this boat than that. There, yeah. there must have been a place to be able to like go under and, and lay down. You know, what's interesting or one of the things that interesting we're picking up in the narrative uh, from verse 18 where he had commanded the disciples to go to the other side. Uh, we're picking that up in verse 23. They get into the boat and they begin. There were some people saying they wanted to follow along, and Jesus seems to discourage them by explaining, uh, well, I don't know where I'm going to lay my head, and of course, uh, let the dead bury their own dead. I'm not sure what decision they made about following Jesus, but we know that Peter and the others, they decided they're going to go. And what, what does it mean to follow him right into a storm, apparently a life-threatening storm? But Lord, these were your directions. But Lord, we're following you and and taking you on the passage that you said you wanted to go. And now we're going to die. That is a really good point. Sometimes, 
I know that when I talk to folks who want to talk about being led by the Spirit today, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me. Now, I don't want to say this is 100% for everyone. I'm sure there are exceptions to this. But the people that I have talked to who said they were led by the Spirit, it's interesting to me the Spirit always leads them in inconvenient ways and things <laughs> that they kind of wanted to do anyway and mm-hmm. things that, you know, this the, the Spirit just led me here. And I know it was the Spirit because look at how successful it's been. And, um, you know, I find that interesting because I I do find a place where the Spirit leads Jesus after his baptism into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting in order to be tested and tempted. Yeah, the Spirit led him to all that. And here is Jesus commanding the disciples to go into a direction, and now they're scared and they think they're going to die. They're they're Mm -hmm. going to perish. Maybe this is why Jesus rebukes them for their little faith. I told you to go here. This is not saying it's going to be easy, but surely you should know I am going to provide for you if you're seeking the kingdom first, first all, all that you need. Yeah. Here you have followed me. Here you've, you have followed my directions, and I'm here with you, and I'm sleeping, so I'm obviously not upset about this. Where's your faith? So our, it's kind of like if you go the way the Lord tells you, even though it's a difficult way, it does bring to life. It he'll gets s- to life. He'll see you to life to the other hmm. side. Huh. Did we hear that somewhere? I think we did. Some <laughs> of one of these callbacks to the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of this. So here's a different... Oh, wait a minute. We also read about a storm in the Sermon on the Mount, we didn't we? We did read about a storm, right? So maybe here's one of these storms of life. Yeah. That when you hear and do the word of the Lord, which they did, they all got in the boat and they're making the passage. You still go through storms. You still go through storms. But he will carry you through the storm. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, here's another fascinating thing about this, though. They call out to Jesus, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And what does Jesus do? He does calm the storm. He did. He doesn't just, as the storm is raging, say, guys, buck up. And he does it with a word, okay? So it says he rebukes the storm. And in my mind's eye, it's it's uh, you know it's just something to picture that a fellow would rise up and yell— at the sky, yell at the wind and the waves to peace, be still, um, which, I, you know, maybe you can fathom that, but then then in a blink of an eye, it is all still. Yeah. Then suddenly we're in the doldrums. I mean, j- just uh, experiencing that would be, I think, a very disorienting and frightening thing for the people on the boat. Okay, so maybe what we have here is not that they weren't expecting them him to miraculously save them. It's just that when it actually happens, it is it is so amazing, so overwhelming, so complete that even that is shocking to them. We we've 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 awakened you because we know that you have you're God you're, or you're the Christ, you're the Lord, you're the Son of God. These are the confessions that they're going to make about Jesus. And so we know that you can save us here. We know you can get us through this. But when we actually witness it, it is so powerful and so profound that that we're still shocked and questioning and in awe. I, I could see it that way very much, mm. very much. Um, I know there's been other prophets uh, in the scriptures who had to uh, travel on storms. Um, Jonah, okay. I think the story is supposed to call Jonah to mind mm-hmm. as a contrast. Yeah, uh, well, because in, in the account of Jonah, Jonah knew that he had done wrong against God. The uh, sea, the the storm is a retribution and a punishment for that. Jonah has to talk his Gentile sailor friends and to throw me over the board, throw me overboard and, and you will live. 
Okay. Well, okay, so thinking about this contrast, what you just brought up there is why is Jonah in the storm? Jonah is in the storm because he is fleeing the Lord's direction. The Lord Mm -hmm. told him to go somewhere, and he decided not to. He decided to go the opposite way. So now he's run into the storm. By By contrast, yeah. By contrast, these guys are doing what the Lord has said, and they've run into the storm. Mm -hmm. And so that that really brings to mind this point that the wise and the foolish both face the storm. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It's not when I'm wise, I get out of the storm. Yeah. And and this really brings it to mind that these guys are going through exactly what Jonah went through, but they actually did what he said. They're doing what the Lord said. Now, the difference, of course, is that Jonah, for that sea to be calmed— he had to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody, nobody knew that he was going to be saved from that. As far as everybody on that boat, Jonah included, thought what was happening was he was going to be sacrificed. He had to be punished the so that they could be saved. Yeah. yeah, And so they throw him overboard, and the sea is calmed. Mm-hmm. The storm goes away. Jesus doesn't have to be thrown overboard. He stays in the boat. He is going to be sacrificed so mm-hmm. that these folks can be mm-hmm. saved, but he doesn't, he doesn't have to be thrown overboard. Instead, he just speaks. And so a greater than Jonah is here. He speaks, and that recalls to mind what we've said earlier uh, in this chapter about authority Mm. and about by a word. The centurion made that so clear uh, in the healing of his servant, and now here is Jesus, and by a word to the skies, he can stop the wind and the waves, he can still the storm. I know what it means to be under authority. I tell my servants, go here, and he goes here, come there, and he comes there, do this. He does it, do that. He does it. Who who are Jesus' servants in this passage? Mm-hmm. The wind, the waves, the storm. It's the elements of creation. And so the men, the disciples say, who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? That's the question. And when they ask the question, it ought to be the question that we're asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Yes. And I think there's actually a scriptural answer to this because there's another passage that I believe this brings to mind, and it's Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, it begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of trouble and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Wow. We heard that in Matthew 8, didn't we? (laughs) We sure did. Talking about the centurion. Yeah. Uh, so, So then he gives a list, some examples of people who have been redeemed and what they were redeemed from. So from verse 4 to verse 8, he talks about people who had wandered in desert wastes, mm-hmm. and so they were redeemed from that. In verses 10 through 16, he talks about those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in iron. So those who have been thrown in prison, but now they have been redeemed from that. He talks about some in verses 17 through 22 that are just sinners, and just because of their sin, they go through affliction and trial and turmoil, and they get redeemed from that. And the point of the psalm is saying, you people who've been redeemed from these things, you need to say so. You need to pronounce it. You need to proclaim your mm-hmm. thanksgiving to Yahweh, mm-hmm. because Yahweh is the Redeemer. Well, then we start in verse 23, another example of people who have been redeemed by Yahweh, by the Lord. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. 
For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven." Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Mm. Amen. When Jesus performs this miracle and the guys in the boat say, who is this? We're supposed to be asking that question and we're supposed to know that the scripture has answered that question. Who is this that even the sea and the wind and the waves obey him? He's Yahweh. He's Yahweh. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Redeemer. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, talking about the winds and the waves and the sea being his servants, here in Psalm 107, he actually commands the winds and the waves to be a storm. Right, right. And then when the people turn to him, he he commands the winds and the waves to be still. Mm -hmm. We recognize that sometimes the reason we get taken into the storm is because we need to be reminded there's only one place to turn. Yeah. And that's Yahweh. He's the Redeemer. And Jesus is Yahweh, our salvation. That's, that's what his name means. Yahweh is our salvation. And and that's who he is. That's who this man is. He's more than a man. He stills the storm. We see multiple demonstrations in this eighth chapter that Jesus is Lord. Uh, you know, where the Sermon on the Mount ended in Matthew 7, verse 29, people were astonished because he taught as one having authority. And in this eighth chapter, this authority that only God has is exercised over and over again. You know, it's actually easy to teach as one who has authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted to, I could teach as one who has authority in the sense that I could sound like I think I have authority. I could, I could get up and say, you've heard this, but I say to you, now, yeah. I know you realize I have no authority, so that wouldn't mean anything, but I could teach like that. Right. It's easy to teach like that. Yeah. It's another thing to back it up and go from the teaching and say, you demons, get out of them. You see, be calm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that servant way over there, you be healed. Oh, yeah. It's, it's something to find out that his word mm-hmm. actually has authority more than just he sounds like he has authority. Yeah. And that's what right. Jesus demonstrates. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, join in the uh, the group, right? The Facebook group. We're talking about these things in Matthew chapter 8. Or send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. And we ought to have a prayer. Evan, would you lead us in prayer? Holy God, you are magnificent and awesome. We praise your name. We're very thankful that we get to be your children. As we see the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray that you will bring us under it, that we will, and we do, we give our allegiance to Jesus as King. He can command the storms and the sea and the wind and the waves, and they obey him. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves to you that you would command us, and we will obey you. It's through your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. 
You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.